I am going to cover a lot of verses today. I don't want you to try to turn to all of them with me. Uh, our media team is going to do their best to stay right with me. But we're going to cover a lot of ground because the, 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 I'm going to try to give you a lot of uh, more information in one service than I, than I typically do. But I think you can handle it. Okay, can you handle it? All right. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. If you're there, say amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in, heavenly, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench, with which uh, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Father, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you that you're going to speak to us, that we're going to grow tonight, that you're going to open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of, our, of your word. Father, I pray that you would teach us today. Uh, be with us. Lord, use my words. Uh, and, and uh, speak through me today. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, I want you to note a few verses here. Um, those of you that have spent a whole lot of time in any type of um, children's church have probably learned about these verses with the whole armor of God and, and uh, you know, studied all these things. Good verses, good teaching. I'm not really going to teach uh, the whole armor of God today, although I'm going to use it as a setup for where we're going. But, but what I love here is the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and, he, and he's saying to them, uh, once you've done everything else that you know to do, take up the armor of God and just stand. But, I, but get a picture of this. Paul is imprisoned at the time he is writing this letter. And so one of the reasons he uses this illustration is because he's looking out the, the walls or, or the bars or whatever he was behind in that particular prison. And he is looking at Roman soldiers guarding him. And so he is looking at what they are doing. In their standing, they are ready for battle and even at times battling though they are just standing. So stand in Paul's mind is not just, um, well, you know, I don't know anything else to do, so I'm just going to sit here. But standing is actually an aggressive posture ready to do what he's supposed to do. Think about a soldier in battle. Yes, he's standing there standing guard, but he's ready to fight when it's time to fight. So he's positioning himself. So, so when Paul says, after you've done all, stand, he is saying, position yourself because you're going to have to go into battle, but it may not quite be time yet. So stand. Now, notice what he says. 
He says, I want you to put on this belt, this this belt of truth. And then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of feet. These are things he wants you to put on. But then he makes a shift and he says, take up the next three things, meaning uh, get these things ready. One is the, the shield of faith. When he's talking about the shield of faith, he's not talking about the small round shields that you might have seen that a soldier would use in a, in a close hand-to-hand combat, but he's talking about the long oval shields. Uh, if you ever watch uh, movies um, about the Greeks battling, you will see a lot of these same because one of the acts of war in this time was they would shoot bow and arrows with, with fiery darts, fiery arrows, and they would shoot them from every angle to try to confuse their enemies. And so when the men would, when the Romans would go into war, they would all have these, uh, and the Greeks, they would all have these uh, oval shields and they would get in position together uh, and uh, there's a word for it, pharynx or phalanx or something, I forgot what it's called. But they would all get in position and their, their shields would become a wall all the way around them so that these darts would hit, would hit or these arrows would hit them. So this is the shield that he's talking about, the shield of faith. And he says, put on the helmet of salvation and finally the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. These are the things... Uh, that when it, when a soldier is ready for battle, you know, if he's walking around the compound, he may not need his sword. But if he's going to battle, you don't want to go to battle without a sword. So these are these are the weapons that he would use. So you take these up. But I want you to watch what he says in verse eighteen. Uh, verse eighteen is connected, though sometimes we leave it off when we're talking about the armor of God. Let's read verse eighteen again. No, New King James. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Back up to verse 17. So, so watch how this flows here. Uh, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Look at the... Wait, wait, go back. I want you to notice that there is not a period there. Right? At the end of God. Do you see there? What is that, what is that punctuation mark? Semicolon. Okay, I know I'm working your brains hard today. There's a semicolon. So what that means is the next words are connected to this verse, right? So so if we're talking about the armor of God and we leave it and we stop right here, we are actually leaving off a key piece of what Paul is teaching us about putting on the armor of God. Watch this, verse 18. So now what is he connecting it to? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Uh, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Watch this. Prayer uh, is what puts these weapons into action in our life. You have a sword, you have a helmet, you have a shield, but prayer is what actually puts them into motion. You have the Word of God, but until you use it, it's of very little use to you. It's not going to help you. It's not going to change anything until you put it into action. One of the ways that we put it into action, this is what Paul is showing us here, uh, is by prayer. So prayer is, is what takes the standing with the armor of God and puts it into motion. Now, I, I want you to have the weapons that God has promised you. There's a number, number of them, not just those that are here. But I want to make sure that you utilize them in your life. Not just sitting on a shelf somewhere. What good is a, a, a gun going to do you if it sits in the closet and never comes out? It's not going to do you any good if you're going deer hunting. I'm a big deer hunter. I love it. 
but I got to actually take the gun out. I've got to clean it up. I've got to put a shell in it. I've got to sight in my scope. And when I go out, when it's time, I've got to actually pull the trigger. It's amazing. When you pull the trigger, it goes off. Prayer is what puts in motion the armor of God. Now, I want to read this in in the New International Version. Same verse, verse 18. Uh, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. A couple things I want you to know in the Scripture. Number one, pray in the Spirit. We'll come back to that at the end of the sermon. Number two, uh, on all occasions. When do we pray? On all occasions. What is he saying? All the time, anytime, all the time, just be praying. Just If you're in doubt, pray. If you, oh, should I pray right now or should I not? I recommend just praying. Pray on all occasions. Wait, leave it up there for me. Uh, the next thing he says, um, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, this is an interesting uh, choice of words here. Depending on the version that you're looking at, uh, it, it says this in different ways. That, but, a, but what Paul is showing us here is there are different kinds of prayer. Not every prayer is the same. Did you know that? Not all prayer is equal. Not all prayer is the same. Every prayer has a purpose. Every prayer has an appropriate time and place to be used. But not all prayers are the same. We'll come back to that. Finally, he says, uh, keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Uh, This is a commission for every believer to constantly pray for other men and women of God. Pray for the Lord's people. Um, I've noticed this in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a moment of honesty for me. Sometimes in my life, God does not answer my prayers because it's not in His will to answer my prayers. I could, I could pray till the cows come home. It's not in His will. And if I'm a, if I'm a true, mature Christian, I'm going to be okay with that. I don't have to like it, but I do have to come into agreement with it. Okay? But sometimes when I'm praying... It has nothing to do with God not answering. It has things to do with me. It, it, is, it isn't about God. It is because of me. He is not answering because of me. And so this is what I say. I want God to do anything and everything He wants in my life. And I want Him to answer as many prayers as He possibly can. So what I'm going to do is I have to remove all of my personal obstacles out of the way. So then the only thing left, I've done everything according to the word of God that I possibly know to do. Therefore, the only thing left must be, it was not God's will. Now this is important because many times in my life, God does not answer my prayer. They're, they're, they, he does not do what, do what I want him to do. But if I know I've prayed the right kind of prayer, I've prayed it in the right way, I've positioned myself properly, and he still doesn't answer, then I can say, okay, Lord, it wasn't me, so it must have been you, and I'm trusting that you're working in the midst of it. But here's the deal. If I know that it's me, I can't say, well, God's working in the midst of it. I, I can't honestly say that because it was me. So my challenge, and my challenge for you tonight is, let's make sure that when we are praying, we remove all the reasons why God wouldn't answer our prayer because of something we're doing. Does that make sense to you? How many can come into agreement with that? All right. 
Uh, I want my prayers to work. I want my prayers to produce things. I, I want things to happen when I pray. James chapter 5, verse 16. Very important verse that, that you should really know and, and should be a, a, a cornerstone of your life with Jesus. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Excuse me. Uh, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want my prayers to avail much. In the English Standard Version, it says, uh, the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man has great power. The, the New Living says, it has great power and produces wonderful results. How many of you want that to be said of your prayers? I, I mean, hey, listen, if I'm going to take the time out to pray uh, and, 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 I, and I'm going to stop what I'm doing, take time away from my kids, take time away from my wife, take time away from my job or uh, whatever else I might want to do in my life, I want my prayer time to actually get something done. I want to see things move. I, I want to see power. I, I, I don't have time to waste on things in my life that are not productive. I'm too busy. i got too much going on. So I, when I pray, I want things to happen. I want things to move. And so the first thing that I do is ask myself a series of questions based out of James chapter 5, verse 16. A series of questions. Here they are. Write these down. The first question is this. Am I righteous. Put back up James chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 5 for me. Okay. The effective, per fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Here's the first question to ask of yourself. Am I righteous? Because he didn't say the effective, fervent prayer of an evil man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a, of a wannabe <laughs> righteous man avails much. No, 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 no. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if I want to avail much, I've got to make sure that I qualify as a righteous man. The problem with this is Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. So now I'm disqualified. Great. Thanks, Thanks James. <laughs> You say, I have to be a righteous man, and Paul says, there's none righteous, so, well, I can't be righteous. Do you see the conflict here? So I'm, I'm not righteous, but if I want my prayers to produce much power and great results and to avail much, I have to be righteous. So how do we how do, we do this thing? How, how does this actually work? Remember on, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, I read to you about... Uh, the, where, where Paul wrote to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, now let's think about this a minute. Paul says to the Romans, there is none righteous, no, not one. Okay, but to the Ephesians, he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Remember, it's a battle. Remember, he's, he's, he, has a, he has a war uh, army soldier picture going on. And so he, he says... What he's saying is, if you go into battle with no breastplate, breastplate was a piece of armor, metal, chain link, something like that, uh, that they would wear to protect their chest, to protect their core. Okay. Now, here's the thing. If you're in a sword fight, I don't care how many push-ups, chin-ups, uh, how much bench press you do, you can't get enough muscle on your chest and abdomen to stop a sword. Am I wrong? 
you can't. I, listen, the biggest guys. I, I, every now and then I watch the world's strongest man's comp- men competition. Incredible feats of strength, but you poke them with a sword, it's going to hurt. Right? So here's the principle. We're not righteous on our own. We can't get righteous no matter how hard we work at it, no matter how disciplined we are. We can't make ourselves righteous. So we must rely on something outside of ourselves. We must rely on someone else's righteousness to cover us. Who's, who's righteousness? Jesus. So now, we are not righteous. But when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, when we put Jesus on, we are taking on his righteousness. And now we're qualified when James says the, the fervent and effective prayer of a righteous man. I'm not righteous on my own, but when I put on Jesus, I suddenly am. So here's the question. Am I righteous? The first thing that the righteous man knows is is he recognizes the grounds of his righteousness reside in Jesus. A righteous man knows, I didn't get here by myself. I've got a breastplate on. The second thing he does is his personal walk is generally consistent with the righteousness that he has in Jesus. So when we put Jesus on We do everything that we can to then act like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to live our life according to his principles and according to his word and according to his ways. Doing that alone won't make us righteous, but once he's made us righteous, it is our great joy and privilege as disciples of God to do our best to live like him. Okay? I'm going to move on to the second question. Because if I don't, I'm not going to get through this tonight. Second question is this. Am I fervent? Put James back up for me. Am I fervent? So the first question was, am I a righteous man? Because if I'm not a righteous man, then I don't qualify for any of the rest. It starts right there. The second thing is, are my prayers fervent? Are they fervent? If you'll notice, we're backing up in the scripture right here. We're backing. We're starting with the end. We want our prayers to avail much. So how do we get there? First of all, you have to be a righteous man. And the second thing is your prayers have to be fervent prayers. What does fervent mean? Fervent means having or displaying passionate intensity. It is praying earnestly, showing sincere and intense conviction. The Greek word is energeo, energeo. And, and it, you, might not, you might recognize that because it's the same Greek word from which we get our word energy. So here's the question. How much passion and sincerity, energy and intense conviction have you put into your prayers? If you were really being honest... I'm not talking about like when you went down right as you laid down to go to sleep, right, right as you were falling asleep, you said, oh, and, and Lord, um, you know, heal me or save my son or, you know, tell my husband to quit acting crazy or whatever it might be. Okay, but how much, how much energy and intense conviction and passion have you really put into your prayer time? Because this is what he says. Uh, Listen, it's not that the other prayers won't do any good. But if you want your prayers to avail much, to produce power, to to produce results, as the word says, then it has to be fervent, passionate, energetic, intense, sincere prayers. It's, 
It's not about trying to convince a reluctant God to, to, to get up off the couch and come do something for us when he's watching the, the Dallas Cowboys play. You were their God's team. I mean, come on now. Y'all had to get that connection in your mind. It's not what it is. But it's simply about God wanting to know, are you as serious about, are you serious about the things that God is serious about? Are you, are you serious about it? I get a lot of people tell me things like, Pastor Randon, I, I, I want to I be uh, in ministry. And I, I, wanna, I want you to teach me. Okay. They're not serious. They look at me like they're serious, but nothing else in their life proves it. If they tell me that once in every three years, they're not serious. Because, because doing uh, the, the work of God full time is a serious commitment. To get from here to there is a serious commitment. And so, you know, if, if you just casually mention it, and then the next time I call you and say, hey, can you help me with this? You're like, well, you know, I got uh, you know, to fluff my pillow at home. <laughs> yeah, you're not serious. Uh, so before I put the time and the energy in, I want to know how serious are you really? And, and this is the same thing that, that God is asking when he says, I want you to be fervent in your prayer. saying, I want to know how serious you are about it. I'm happy to do it. I, 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 it's not about is it hard for me to do. There's nothing in your life that is hard for God to do. It's just a matter of are, are you really serious about it? Well, the last question is simply this. Am I effective? Am I effective? When I was a kid... I'm going to say third, fourth grade, somewhere right in there. We were living in Nederland. Um, and it, I made my first uh, venture in, in, into the kitchen and, and made my first trek into uh, being a culinary chef. <laughs> the fact that I'm not a culinary chef today should tell you that this story is not going to go well. And uh, I really, especially as a kid, still do today, but I really, really, really love scrambled eggs. But not just anybody's scrambled eggs. I love the way my mom made scrambled eggs. And uh, she put all kind of stuff in it. She put cheese in them, and she put Lowry seasoning salt and Lowry seasoning pepper and all kinds of just, I, it, was, it was like, you know, all this stuff and hold the eggs by the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but they were just really, really good. And so this one morning... Uh, when, when, I, when we were at this time, we, Kara and I uh, rode our bikes to school every day. Our school was right down the road. And so most mornings, I would get us both up, and, and she and I would get ourselves dressed, and we would go off to school, and, uh, you know, sometimes mom and dad wouldn't even get up. They had a lot of crazy trust in us in the world, I guess. I, I think about my daughter getting up and going to school by herself right now in third grade. I think, uh, no. And then I think about my daughter going in the kitchen like I did and deciding to make scrambled eggs while I'm sleeping. I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, no. Uh, but this is what I did. I decided I'm going to make me and Kara some scrambled eggs for breakfast. And so I go in there and I get the eggs out. And man, you know, I'm standing up on like my, my, my little stool so I can get up over above the uh, deal, the, the uh, stove. And man, I'm cooking, I'm scrambling, I'm putting all the stuff in there. And things are going great, but they turned out a little brown. But, you know, hey, maybe I overcooked them a little bit. Who knows? So I decide I'm going to try them. They didn't taste right. I said, Kara, try these. And, you know, uh-uh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I go in there with the whole skillet to my mom. You know, it's, it's hot. Shh. She's laying in the bed. Mom, I've got a problem. And she, she wakes up to a skillet full of eggs. Like, what is going on right now? I'm seriously like third or fourth grade about this time. And, and so I say, Mom, I tried to make eggs just like you. I wanted you to be so proud of me. 
but they're not right, and I want you to taste them. So, you know, mom's gung-ho, this is, you know, it's her son, I'm going to be supportive. So this is his first venture into being a, a cook. And so she takes a bite, and, oh, wow, oh, it's terrible. She said, why did you put cinnamon in them? <laughs> I can't even read cinnamon. What are you talking about? I got the little thing with the red top, the spice with the red top, and I put it in there. She goes, no, no, not cinnamon. That's Lowry seasoning salt. Why would you put cinnamon in your eggs? I don't know. I just saw you do the one with the red top and shake it in there. It all looked the same to me. That's a true story. Here's the thing. In my attempts to produce some really good eggs, the wrong ingredients made everything ineffective. I didn't have eggs that anybody wanted to eat. They were, they were of no use because my spices were ineffective. I chose the wrong one for the wrong occasion. Cinnamon is a great spice. I love cinnamon in a lot of things. I love, uh, I love to go to Casa and get the little uh, dessert Olay with the cinnamon top. Man, I love cinnamon. But cinnamon on your eggs is not the right thing. Just let me tell you. Okay, so my spices rendered it ineffective. So here's here's the thing. Remember, Paul said uh, to the to the church of Ephesus, praying in all kinds of prayer. So if I want my prayers to be effective, I better choose the right prayer for the right moment. Because here's the problem: if I don't choose the right prayer for the right moment, if if I cook my eggs with cinnamon. And I keep cooking my eggs with cinnamon. And nobody wants to eat them. But after a while, I just assume this is how eggs are supposed to taste. They're not good. Nobody wants them. But I keep cooking them because, well, you're supposed to put the spice with a red top in it. Here's what happens. We're praying the wrong prayer. It's ineffective. God's not answering it. Not because he doesn't want to, but because we're, do, we're praying the wrong prayer. We're asking the wrong thing. We're going about it the wrong way. And then after month, six months, six years, a lifetime of unanswered prayer, we just assume, well, God's not hearing my prayer. This is just, it's just me. Other people pray and get answers, but I don't get answers when I'm praying. And if we're not careful, that turns into this. I don't even believe in God anyway. I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and he never answers my prayers. So therefore, I've drawn the conclusion after a lifetime of unanswered prayers that God doesn't care about me or doesn't exist. That's not what God believes about you. God loves you. He has a plan for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. That's what he wants for us. But Seeing it means that our prayers have got to be effective. I've got 15 minutes here, and I am going to try to give you uh, nine different kinds of prayers as fast as I can. That means I've got a minute and a half. Oh, no, I've got 14 minutes. I've got a minute and a half per time, so I'm going to go really fast. Can you stay with me? I'm not going to be able to read all of these scriptures, uh, so you'll just have to write them down and go back and study them on your own, okay? Uh, when I was young... Uh, Dad told me an acronym 
People ask me all the time, Pastor Ryan, I don't know how to pray for an hour. I pray for like 10 minutes, and I can't think of anything else to say. Dad gave me an acronym. It's going to cover the first four types of prayer I'm going to give you tonight. It's called ACTS. Okay, so write this down on your paper. If you don't know what an acronym is, write A, down C, then T, S, down below. Then I'm going to give you four words that will help you. And if you'll remember this, when you're praying, your personal time with prayer, this will help you have an effective prayer time. Okay? The first one is this, the first type of prayer and the first uh, part of the ACTS uh, acronym is adoration. Adoration. These are prayers of, uh, of praise. They're prayers of worship. Uh, they are reminding God and ourselves who God is. God, I thank you for who you are. I love you. You're an amazing God. You're a wonderful God. You're a generous God. You're a loving God. You're a kind God. You're a merciful God. You're a gracious God. We're, we're, we're pouring adoration on God. Sometimes we do this with worship and with music and things like this. And, and so sometimes we're singing songs of adoration to the Lord. And it's a part of our prayer. Uh, adoration to God. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3. You see uh, where the people were ministering and fasting. They were ministering to the Lord. Look right here in verse 2. They ministered to the Lord. Adoration is about ministering to God. It's about pointing our prayer and our words to Him. God, this is who you are, and I love you. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, in the Lord's Prayer, you see right off the top, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? It means, uh, it, it means to be honored or revered as holy. So we should begin every prayer time, every worship time, with, with adoration, with praise and worship for who God is. Number one is adoration. Number two is confession. This is also called prayers of penitence or prayers of repentance. You can go back and study the most famous prayer of repentance in the entire scripture, I believe, is Psalm 51. Uh, and this is the prayer of David. Uh, I don't have time to go there and read it all. But you can hear how his heart is craw- crying out to God. So, so we start with who God is. And then confession is a recognition of who we are. Paul said, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul said that I am the chief of sinners. So we confess our sins to God. We confess who he is and we confess who we are. Confession is positive and negative. Okay, So it, yes, the repentance part of it in the penitence part of it is confessing our sins before God. But it is also a positive confession of who God is and who we are. Okay, So yes, I may be a sinner, but I am also an overcomer. Right? So it's a confession of who we are in Christ. All right? Number three, thanksgiving. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. So now we're going to give thanks to God for what he has done. We started with who he is, then we go to who we are, then we go to what he has done. I'm moving quick. Are you taking notes? Uh, If nothing else, God has saved us, and that is worth thanking him for. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Water running? Thank you. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Pastor Lindsay, uh, thank you. Yes, Pastor Lindsay talked a little bit of... Have you been drinking this? Okay. I mean, I love everybody, but you bring me a half-empty bottle of water. (laughs) Half full. Okay, it's a positive confession. I got it. All right, Thanksgiving. I'm not going to stay there long. I think you get it. Um, number four, supplication. 
So you've got adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. In your prayer time, if you do these four, you will always have a good prayer time. There are other types of prayer, but these are four of the main ones. Supplication. Supplication can also be called the prayer of petition or a prayer of request. So this is where we're asking God something. Now, God, I'm asking you to do something, or I'm asking a petition of you. I'm requesting something of you. This is an official request before God. But I want you to notice that it is not first on the list. Don't lead with a request. Don't lead with a request. Don't lead with a request. Here's the thing. Does God know what you need and what you want? Of course he does. But he still wants you to ask. He still wants you to talk to him about it. Because remember, God, the, for God, the purpose of prayer is about a relationship. It's about communication with, with us. And, and so think about this. Uh, men, what if your wife always had dinner on the table when you got home? Always had grocery in the house, always had the laundry done and the house clean, but you never saw her, you never talked to her, you never heard from her. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. Like, what? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Elder Ronnie, don't be shouting from the rooftops back there. <laughs> so, okay, ladies. Um, what if you always had a beautiful home to live in? You always had a beautiful brand new car to drive that was just magically full of gas and cleaned out the trunk and the ashtrays and the door handles where you stick your gum wrappers and everything. Okay? What if every time you swiped your card, it got accepted? Woo! But... Your husband provides for you in everything, but you never see him, you never hear from him, he never talks to you, he never spends time with you, he never hugs you, he never tells you how beautiful you are, he never tells you how much he cares about you and how much he loves you. I mean, how many of you really want a relationship in a marriage like that? That's not a, that's not a marriage. That's a sugar daddy. So, so here's the principle. God can take care of all of our needs according to his riches and glory. But he wants relationship. He wants relationship. So yes, he knows your need. Before you know you need it, he knew you needed it. And guess what? Had a plan to meet it. But he wants you to ask. Because some of us, we've all been guilty of it. Some of us more than others. Some of us never talk to God unless we're asking him for something. So God says, if this is the only way I can get you to talk to me, I'm going to wait till you ask. Just so at least I can hear your voice. It is about relationship. Ah, you are wasting all of my time. Intercession is number five. Intercession. Uh, this is praying fervently on behalf of another Okay. Intercession is praying for someone else or another group of people. It is interceding. It is, it is praying. It is seeking God on behalf of someone or something else. On behalf of another believer, on behalf of another person, on behalf of a church or a country or a city or whatever God might impress on you. But it is seeking God fervently for someone else. 
When you're praying for yourself, you're praying, and you may be very effective, and you may be praying any number of these other, other prayers, but intercession is, is praying for someone else. We see Jesus intercede in John chapter 17. He gets on his face, and he is interceding for his disciples, first of all, and secondly, he is interceding for all of believers from then on. He's, he, was, he was interceding for you and me. Go read John chapter 17 and you will see uh, the gift of an intercessor coming out in Jesus. Because I believe for, we should all intercede for others, but some are called to be intercessors. They are gifted and called to be intercessors. And you know what? I think we should be very grateful to them. Because they're praying for you when, not, when you're out doing your own thing. They're praying for me when I'm out living my own life, not thinking about anybody else. They're still praying for me. I want you to know if you're an intercessor in this house that I am grateful for you. And I believe I represent a large group of people when we say thank you. These, these prayer warriors are, are here all hours of the week. And if they're not here, they're at home seeking God on our behalf. We owe them a huge debt of gratitude. <clears throat> Number six, consecration. It's one of the most important prayers that you will ever pray. Uh, these are the prayers that set ourself apart to follow the will of God. So we separate my will from God's will. We see this with Jesus, Matthew 26, verse 39. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Here's his request. Let this cup pass from me. But here's the petition. Here's the consecration part. Nevertheless, not as I will but as you will. Friends, this is no little prayer right here. This is one of the most powerful prayers in all of scriptures. Just a few words. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. If it is possible, God, this is what I'm asking. But you know something about this prayer? God did not answer Jesus' prayer. How do we know? Because he was saying, can you save me from the cross? Did Jesus go to the cross? So if you ever get in a place where you feel like God didn't answer your prayer, connect yourself to Jesus. He went through it too. He's been where you were. And yet, this is a mature prayer that demands a trust in the sovereignty of God. I don't understand it, God, but I'm trusting in you. Not my will, but your will be done. Remember, I led by saying, I've got to get me totally out of the way. Whatever my stuff is, at the end of the day, Lord, if it be your will, this is what I'm requesting. I'm not going to make any bones about what I'm requesting here. I, I want to be very clear about what I'm asking you, God. But at the end of every prayer I pray to God, if it's not your will, I'm trusting in your will. It's a prayer of consecration. Here's the question. How, how, the only way you can pray this prayer is if you can answer this question. Do you believe that God has a plan for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future with hope? So if you don't believe that, you can't pray a prayer of cons consecration. If you don't believe that God has this plan for you, why would you trust him to say no to your request? Right? Why would you trust him to say, not my will, but your will be done? But if we believe, 
if we've got this word deep in our heart. I'm quoting you Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm not making that verse up. That's not just any random question. That is an actual scripture and a promise in your life. So when it's written on your heart and you know it and you believe it and you trust it, then you can say, nevertheless, God, I know that you have a plan. And if this isn't a part of it, I'm trusting your will to be done. That's a serious prayer right there. Number seven, three more. I got to go. Y'all are taking up all of my time. James chapter 5, verse 15. This is the prayer of faith. This is a specific prayer. Watch, he says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Notice the prayer of faith. This is a specific type of prayer uh, that is used or should be used most often when praying for the, to see the, the sick healed. Uh, when you're praying for the sick, when you, when you, when you need God to do a miracle, we're, we're praying the prayer of faith. When you're praying for people to be saved, we want to pray the prayer of faith, right? Because we can't be saved without faith. Okay, so we're praying the prayer of faith. So it's a specific prayer. Of course, we can use it for a number of different things. Uh, when you're believing for miracles, you, you, you ought to utilize a prayer of faith. You, you can rely on also um, uh, the, the gift of faith. That, that God promises through the power of the Holy Spirit to deposit in you. It's one, of the, it's one of the extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit. The nine extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit you see from the book of 1 Corinthians. It is the gift of faith. It is the faith of heaven deposited in you. I highly recommend when you're praying a prayer of faith, call on the gift of faith to help you pray that prayer i got to keep moving. Number eight is the prayer of agreement. This is corporate prayer, either with with more than one person or with a large group of people. Matthew 18 and 19, very powerful verse. Jesus says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This is what happens when we come to the altar. This is one of the reasons that we believe so much in opening our altars and coming into agreement because we believe that things can happen when you come together in prayer that may not happen otherwise. It's the prayer of agreement. We, it's also a prayer of agreement in a corporate time. We all come together and we're all believing together. There are times when I'll stand here or one of our pastors will stand here uh, and we will pray for a specific prayer need in the congregation. We are praying a prayer of agreement together. Remember in Acts chapter 1 verse 14. Uh, when, the, when the 120, they were all gathered, they were all in one accord, or they were all in agreement together praying, and it was out of that, that prayer meeting and that time and that season that God poured out the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. And finally, here's the ninth type of prayer, and this is praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I'm almost done. Likewise, the Spirit, notice it's capitalized, so he's referring to the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit is one of the most important types of prayer that you can do in your life. It's one of the most effective types of prayer that you can have. Because here's what Paul is saying to the, to the church in Rome. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit does. Now notice the word that he uses there in verse 26. Put that, ver- put that verse back up for me. Watch what he says. But the Spirit himself makes intercession. Remember, intercession was a specific type of prayer, right? 
It means we're praying for what? Someone else. Okay, I want other people praying for me. I need other people praying for me, and I pray for other people and hope that you do too. But I want you to watch this. The Holy Spirit is also going to make intercession for you. So if you've got, you say, Pastor, I don't have anybody praying for me. Pray in the Spirit, and when you do, the Holy Spirit through you is now interceding on your behalf. And here is the good news about that. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not a lowercase g, God. He is a uppercase. He is God. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one. So here's what you have. You have God praying to himself for you. I like your odds. I like your odds. Because he knows what you need. He knows what to pray. And he's praying it for you on your behalf to himself to convince himself to move for you. I like your odds. I want my prayers to produce. I'm out of time. I'm so sorry. I had to move very quickly tonight. I want my prayers to produce, to have great power and to avail much. I want things to happen when I pray. I get very weary of praying and praying and praying and nothing happens. I get very weary of seeking God and and doing my best, but nothing happens. So I want to make sure, am I a righteous man? Am I I praying with fervency? And am I praying effectively? One of the ways that I pray effectively is to make sure that I'm praying the right prayer. We're out of time this morning. I hope you've learned something tonight. Okay, for the rest of you, I'm sorry. I'll try to do better next week. Stand with me, if you will. (laughs) Acts, remember that. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. When you're spending time in God in prayer, whether you have 15 minutes or an hour or two hours or however long, this is a great model to build your prayer time off of. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. How many of you think that will help you? All right. Father, I pray right now that for every person in, the, in, in this room tonight, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, that, that we, would, we would be able to answer all these questions, that we would be righteous men, righteous women, that we would pray with fervency, and that our prayers would be effective. That, Father, now that we have understanding and we have clarity and, and we have the truth of your word, we can pray the right prayer at the right time in the right situation so that our prayers will be effective and they will produce great power and great results. Father, I I believe right now that you are opening up a season of answered prayers over the people of this house. A season of answered prayers. Prayers prayers that are availing much in our lives. I thank you for it right now. I declare it to be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Be blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Blessed going in and blessed going out. May the Lord bless all of your efforts with success. May you favor his favor as a shield. God bless you. We love you. Amen.